We'd like to welcome you to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for April 1st, 2012. And uh, the next part is entitled Hunger Games Satanic Ritual for Teens. Now, this was actually put out December 31st of this year. This isn't really a review of the movie as it is the books. It's by Pamela Lanides. And she goes on to say, The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins is a trilogy of books which has been receiving glowing reviews in the Illuminati media. They are seen as a successor to the Harry Potter series and even the more popular Twilight, which I just so happen again, I did separate studies on Twilight and Harry Potter, and again, that's going to be on page, I think, of like five of this PDF, or six, I'm sorry, page six of the PDF for April 1st, 2012. As of February 11th, 2010, now that was quite a while ago, February 11th of 2010, not 12, or even 11, the Hunger Games trilogy had already sold, it's crazy, I never even heard of this, of course, I don't keep up with this stuff, really. The Hunger Games trilogy had already sold 800,000 copies in the U.S. Hunger Games was followed by, I guess, the book Catching Fire in September of 2009 and then Mockingjay in August of 2010. Rights have been sold in 38 territories and there are over 2.9 million copies in print. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for over 100 consecutive weeks as of September 2010, the first movie is due out in March, <clears throat> which is, again, where we're at now. Well, we're even past that. Some schools have included these books as mandatory reading for their English class- classes, which, again, is exactly what they were doing with Harry Potter. <clears throat> and ignoring the many fragmented and run-on sentences, which the publisher Scholastic has ignored. <laughs> hey, as long as it's getting out satanic, uh, the satanic agenda, what, what does it matter if it's poorly written, and there's all kind of fragmented and run-on sentences. Mothers have reported their daughters having nightmares after reading the series, which is always a good, positive thing, you know, when you see that happening. And the books are more gruesome and grisly than some of the more violent video games that are out there. Now, Taylor just informed me that some of her friends uh, that have went to see this have said that they cannot believe the movie was rated... PG-13, that it should absolutely be rated R. And I, obviously, I didn't let Taylor go see in this garbage, but um, it should be rated R. And they couldn't even believe that it was rated PG-13. It's extremely violent and evidently gory, which again, you know, you don't need to be putting that kind of stuff before your eyes. Period. So, the story centers on Katniss Everdeen. Again, the girl, the main person, uh, 16 years old, whose mother fell into a deep depression upon the death of her father in a coal mining accident. Her family lives in District 12, one of the 13 districts around the capital, in a post-apocalyptic United States. Most of the District 12 residents live in abject poverty. In a prehistory of the story, District 13 had rebelled against the capital, slavery-inducing, consumer-driven production fields, and was literally bombed out of existence for their insurgency. As a result, the capital, under President Snow, demands a reaping, (laughs) a sacrifice of two children between the ages of 12 and 18 from each district every year. Sounds pretty satanic. In In supreme sadistic irony, 
The children are forced to dress in their very best clothing for the reaping process. Those who try to earn extra grain and oil for their families offer their names in the Hunger Games. Now, here's a picture. Oh, she looks so evil. I can hardly even stand to look at her. And this is the author of the Hunger series, this Suzanne Collins, who there's um, talk up on the internet that she may be part of the actual Collins, the Illuminati family, the Collins, which is actually who... uh, I can't seem to recall his name, but the one guy that, that came out uh, that really pointed out was one of the first ones in the late 70s to point out a lot of this Illuminati stuff. Um, <clears throat> for some reason, his name's escaping me. But anyway, he was from the Collins Illuminati bloodline. And they're thinking that there's a strong possibility this lady, who's a Collins, is also a generational Luciferian Satanist as well. And it would make sense that they would promote her books, particularly if if she was in that bloodline. So, anyway, there's a picture of her. Uh, She just looks totally evil. Her eyes look... I can't hardly stand to look at the picture. Not because she's so, like, she's ugly or something. It's just that, like, the eyes are the windows to the soul. (laughs) Well, you be the judge. Anyway, what follows are the Hunger Games themselves. They are held in an arena from which there is no escape, the most sadistic forms of torture imaginable are used against the children in the games. There can be only one victor. The children must kill each other. One girl is only 12 years old. If they refuse to kill each other, the gamekeeper devises torturous ways in which they are forced to kill each other off. Again, this is really Christian material. We need to be bringing our whole family, pile them in the station wagon, get them down to the movie theater, you know, feed the Hollywood beast, and bring your kids into this PG-13 show, so who knows what's happening to them on a spiritual level when you put this kind of garbage before your eyes. Uh, obviously, I'm being sarcastic, but I mean, this is what a lot of uh, people are doing. Some of the children must initially murder each other in a bloodbath in order to secure necessities from the cornucopia. They face hunger, starvation, sleep deprivation, poisonous gases, acid rains, blood rains, killing waves, mutant creatures who maul them to death, killing traps, insects that drive them madly insane if they are not outright poisoned to death by them. By the final book, some of the children are tortured by the government officials for months on end. I mean, again, how much more sick and sadistic and satanic can you get? Mind-bending, memory-forging, brainwashing is then induced. The formerly innocent children are turned into killers. They must kill or be killed. Okay, so going further, the victors are paraded throughout the districts. The parents of the murdered children must salute the victors. (laughs) That's not too, too warped. The parents of the murdered children must salute the victors, who are the murderers of their own children. The victors' families are moved into nice houses and are wealthy for the remainder of their lives. And the families of the murdered children receive nothing. I guess because they're losers, evidently. Uh, In the last book, Katniss discovers that underage children have been sold into prostitution by the president. Hmm. Uh, Book after book in the trilogy, the torture, the killing, the deception, and the sadistic glory continue not only for those who have been captured by the capital, but also in the additional Hunger Games that have been declared. All the former victors must participate in the end 
Katniss and the Rebels win victory against Snow. But, I guess the leader, Snow? Uh, but it does not protect her little sister, who has been purposely targeted by yet another enemy, and burned alive in front of her own eyes. I mean, we're talking really, really wicked evil stuff here. Really majorly wicked. You know? Mega violent, mega sadistic, and you're, and you're doing this with children, which is even more warped and demented. Again, not something you need to be going to see. Not something you need to be going and giving your money to Hollywood. You think that might hinder your prayers slightly? If you're going and giving money to Hollywood to promote a show like this and to give money into, into that beast system? Uh, do you think that might be hindering your prayers? The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Okay, well, this is, you know, if you're going to this and, you know, seeing nothing wrong with it and taking the kitties to it, I mean, that's regarding iniquity in your heart, just so you know. Iniquity like sin, okay. So, Scholastic Inc. is the world's largest publisher and distributor of children's books. The Global Agenda, um, click here to continue reading. Anyway, there's more if you want to read on that. But I, I think I've said enough about the Hunger Games at this point. Hopefully, uh, you'll understand that. Now, this next article, uh, video that we're going to be looking at, is The Secrets of Prometheus Film Leaked. So, we were, this is from uh, Alex Jones. Now again, I'm not promoting Alex Jones. We're gleaning from him like I would glean from CNN or MSNBC. In fact, as we go through this video, I'm going to be rebuking Alex Jones for some of the things that he says that really got me fired up when I heard him come out of his mouth. I and it's a, it's a direct attack on the Bible. So, I'm not, I put out many warnings on Alex Jones. But, it's undeniable that regarding his website, there is, there's a lot of truth that you can glean on a week-to-week basis. Am I a follower of Alex Jones? No. Does Alex Jones point people to the Lord Jesus Christ? No. Alex Jones is joking up with, I mean, people like David Icke, who, I mean, is just one of the most new age, whacked out dudes that, that has ever walked the planet. Okay? Are there things you could glean from David Icke? Yes, there is. Okay? But I'm sure not going to follow him. I mean, David Icke's biggest, like, uh, uh, hero, spiritually, is this guy named Credo, who is a witch doctor in Africa. I've heard the interviews. I mean, and this is who Alex Jones has on the show. And, and I mean, he totally sounds like a new ager. When he has somebody like David Icke on, on his shows, I mean, he's agreeing with, with so much of... I mean, David Icke believes like we live in this like this holographic universe, and I mean, it's just... It's insane. And uh, it's just... Uh, it's all about infinite love, and as he's throwing the F-bomb in, in, his, in his speeches and stuff, I find that rather uh, <laughs> contradictory. But anyway, um, so we're going to play that in a second, but the secret of the film is uh, the elite believe that they are attaining godhood and are destined for the stars. Well, if the lake of fire is in a star, I don't know. I mean, that probably is true. Anyway, the ancient and occultic views are reflected in the dark themes of Prometheus, the very name of which hints at a quest for eternity and a power among a group who think a divine right bestowed by a higher intelligence gives credence to their meddling with the affairs of the common man. So I'm going to go ahead and play this clip now, and we're going to be looking at some uh, Bible verses once the clip is done. 
Ridley Scott, arguably one of the greatest living directors, is set to release a prequel to his 1979 mega hit, Alien, Prometheus. One of the most anticipated... Okay, so this is the prequel to Alien. Okay, the one of the biggest sci-fi demon shows ever, ever made. One of the original ones that set the stage for a lot of other... This is the prequel to that. This is what, what happened, evidently, leading up to Alien. If you ever watched Alien, which I did a long time ago, then this show is actually what happened prior to that, which set the stage for it. Dated sci-fi films in recent memory. Infowars.com research analysis shows... Prometheus is not just a film, but a revelation of the method, revealing the deepest secrets of the Illuminati mystery religion. Which, again, the Illuminati is bent on indoctrinating humanity on, which, again, they're doing this indoctrination. A great example is the Hunger Games. You know, so many of the, the, the tenets that it's teaching is the basis for their satanic religion. And again, this is no different, this show. I do have a lot of contacts in the media, as uh, viewers and listeners know, and I have been able to secure a copy of an early script, and it follows very closely from the trailer I've seen and other leaks. I'm not going to give the entire film away here, but in synopsis, this is a film about the origins of humankind, with a super race of near-immortal genetic engineers who are contemplating a genetic overwrite or rewrite of the planet Earth when meddling humans stumble in. A A genetic rewrite. Okay, so again, this is a very common theme with the whole transhumanism Movement, which I've reported on many, many times. Um, again, key in transhumanism in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. For us to attain godhood, which is the carrot that Satan is putting out in front of the masses regarding the day and time we're moving in, for us to advance from the age of Pisces into the dawning of the age of Aquarius, as the song says. From the age of the Piscean age, which which they say was dominated by Jesus, but their ascended master, Jesus, into the age of Aquarius, which will be dominated by Maitreya and his ascended masters. This is their literature, not mine. The coming new world order. The ushering out of the old world order and coming into the new. But in order to attain godhood, we're going to need a genetic rewrite. We're going to need to have our genetic, our DNA changed. Why do you think they're doing all this stuff with the vaccinations when they're putting foreign DNA in the vaccinations? And all the GMO crop garbage that they're doing, where they're changing the genetics of everything. They're defiling God's creation in every way, shape, and form. And they're trying to get as much of that defiled DNA into you so that you're defiled. They're trying to change our own DNA. The chemtrails, another way that they're doing it. There's all kind of garbage they're doing to us, trying to do it do to us on a genetic level. And again, these are things you should be praying against and praying for God's protection for. Psalm 64, that teaching I did on in imprecatory prayers, 
uh, in the start of Psalm 64, you're, you're literally the whole first part of it, and even more than half of it, you're appealing to God for God to protect you and for him to hide you from the secret counsel of the wicked and from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. And God can do that, but you have to have the faith to believe he can do it. So if you haven't availed yourself to that teaching, just key in Psalm 64 in the search box. I mean, that teaching by itself can really, really, I'm telling you, it really changed my life for the better. Really, really had a gigantic impact on me for the better. When I started praying that, and I don't mean rote repertory repetition, I'm just talking about it's there's biblical tenets in there, and it's rarely talked about in the pulpit, unfortunately. So let's go further. To the magician's laboratory, they are punished for their trespass. It was so wrong. The so-called space jockey is the advanced species that have engineered humans back on Earth and produced the bioweapon that we know of as the classical alien that burst out of your chest after feeding. So, on the f- evidently, they were our creators, these aliens, from what I'm gathering here. And they created us, which is, again, the whole thing with what is known as the ancient astronaut theory, where the aliens that are where these people are being abducted, okay, and you go, oh, that abduction is, yeah, right, okay, yeah. Three to four percent of the population, when polled, has claimed that they've been abducted. Are they all nuts? I mean, you got millions upon millions upon millions of people, oh, there's no validity to any of these abductions or anything like that. I mean, there's something to it. <laughs> there's a satanic agenda foot. It's kind of funny when they get brought aboard the mothership, or whatever deception that they're under. I'm not saying that's always the case. But it's kind of funny, they're always told that, yeah, we actually created you, and um, we're really the good guys. We created you a long time ago. We created Earth. We created, you know, everything. And essentially, um, you guys have messed things up so bad, meaning humanity in general, that we're going to have to come back real soon and police our little science project. And um, we're just going to kind of give you a heads up that we're coming back real soon. The Ascended Masters will be our, our emissaries, our representatives on planet Earth. And we're going to come back on a show of force and we're going to have our, you know, UFO fleets and these types of things. And we're just giving you a heads up. And we want to let you know ahead of time, we're the good guys. And uh, we created you. Um, yes, you did evolve. Now, many times they'll admit to evolution, but it was, it was an evolution they guided. There's other concepts in here called panspermia ancient astronaut theory, these types of things that have been propagated by a lot of the uh, New Agers. So anyway, I just want to give you a little more clarification there. Food in your intestines. The reason we're taking time out to examine Prometheus is because its storyline, its plot, mirrors that of many ancient societies. And the ideas presented in Prometheus are at the core of Western secret societies. These are ancient civilizations that were separated by centuries and yet... The same pictogram was discovered in every one of them. Please tell me you can read that. Across the world, we see evidence of early civilizations' obsession with what they believed were off-world influences. From the Nazca lines in South America to the pyramids of Egypt, we see artifacts, testament to early man's obsession with off-world manipulators. Every ancient culture believed they were communicating with men from the sky. 
Ezekiel with spinning wheels of fire landing and creatures with blue space helmets approaching Ezekiel and giving him a drug to take and then he has wild hallucinations. This part, to me, shows what a devil Alex Jones is. How dare he commingle the book of Ezekiel and Ezekiel's account of, and we're gonna, I'm going to go over those verses. He's totally misrepresenting, totally butchering in the Bible. And commingle this with this movie, Prometheus, and commingle this and throw it all together like it's part of the ancient astronaut theory. When this was a, when this was an experience that Ezekiel had with God Almighty. He is putting that on the same level as this Prometheus show where these humans go to this off-world planet to these disgusting aliens who supposedly claim to be our creators. He's putting that all in the same pot together and equating that on a level playing field. Please don't tell me that Alex Jones is saved because that man doesn't point anybody to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never seen him do it. I could care less what anyone... Well, you know, the text Mars married him or whatever. Whatever. By their fruits you shall know them. Okay, so again, <laughs> I'm not advocating Alex Jones. And I would play this just as much to expose him as I would this movie at this point. Because it's my duty to expose him. And it's ironic because Ezekiel, you look at Ezekiel 3 and 33, Ezekiel is called to be a watchman. And if the, and the Bible gives a, in, he gives a warning in Ezekiel 3 and 33, essentially to the watchman, to Ezekiel at this point, of if you see the sword coming to the city... And you warn out the city, when the city is slain, their blood will be upon your hands, the watchman's hands. But if you warn the city, and they still continue in their wicked ways, then their, their blood will not be on your hands when they're destroyed. Okay, so I'm warning you about Alex Jones. I'm warning you about David Icke. I'm warning you about this wicked movie. And the Bible talks about God being no respecter of persons. I'm not going to respect Alex Jones because he fancies himself on the cutting edge of putting out all this truth, which is all man-centered. It's all, okay, what are we going to do to defeat the New World Order? Or whatever. What are we going to, I don't ever see, prayer, fasting, getting in the Word of God, you know, memorizing Scripture, putting on the full armor of God. I never, ever see that. No, he's got people like guys from Megadeth on there. Oh, he's a Christian, right. Yeah, some of the most satanic music. Oh, yeah, but he's a Christian now. Yeah, that's why he still stayed in that garbage and why he's still singing the old hard rock. I mean, I mean, guys like Joe Rogan, who's an actual Satanist on his show, good buddies with him. All these wicked rock stars. He had some guy from Smashing Pumpkins on there the other day. Yeah, they're they're Christian. David Icke, Mr. New World Order, or, or Mr. New Ager, freak show himself, promoting this garbage. So, no, I'm here to warn you. I, I, and again, my life's not a popularity contest as a Christian. And, you know... <laughs> There and I, I understand. There's a lot of other things I could say probably about Alex Jones. I'm I'm, I'm just talking about the obvious stuff here, the the in your face that I don't need any kind of okay, um, uh, go down some rabbit trail theory to maybe explore and see if he's actually associated with this or that. This is obvious in your face. He is attacking the word of God here right now and attacking it really hard and commingling and throwing Ezekiel and the book of Ezekiel and Ezekiel's experience into the whole. Uh, thing, I mean, it's, just, it's like it's on the, the same playing field as this Prometheus story. It's it's absolute blasphemy. 
One could say that Prometheus is simply art imitating life and putting a 21st century spin on the beliefs of the Dogon tribe in Africa and the Aztecs of Mesoamerica. So again, Ezekiel, Aztecs, Dogon tribe, Nazca lines, Prometheus, all on the same playing field. Oh, I'm sure that's not going to do anything to maybe uh, mess up some Christian's faith who's thinking that Alex Jones is a born-again Christian. I'm, I'm sure that that wouldn't do anything to uh, to uh, possibly throw a stumbling block before your brethren, which is what we're not supposed to do as other Christians. Eric Von Donegan, more than any other living person, has popularized the idea of chariots of the gods and that our planet has been visited and manipulated by off-world creatures for thousands of years. But the... hey, this guy's a devil. Eric Von Donegan? Okay, devil. Okay. Again, never would I ever point anybody to this guy. Ever. Now, I'm not saying he is. But, again, a, a, a total uh, deceiver. Systems that he popularized were regurgitated whole cloth from ideas developed by the ruling class of this planet. And I want to be clear, every major globalist we look at, going back more than 160 years, is completely and totally obsessed with the idea that off-world aliens are controlling this planet and giving them hidden knowledge. By the 1870s, T.H. Huxley Group and their X-Club was dominating the Royal Society in England. The dominant theory within the X-Club was that humans had been seated here, along with most other life forms, by advanced beings from space. From the inception of Darwin's theory on the origin... Again, ancient astronaut theory, humans were seated here. Again, I've said this before, if you want to see the most classic visual example of that, Go to the internet, YouTube, and key in Mission to Mars, last scene. And what it basically shows is this spaceman who gets to Mars, they get in, I think, this big pyramid, and I, I don't know, I, I, I don't think it's a real alien, I think it's a holographic projection of one. It's a large gray alien with a feminine motif, which is really disturbing, and She's lovingly showing this astronaut how we all came into being. In other words, the human race. And they show, in the, and again, this is all Illuminati, Hollywood brainwashing, okay, for our demise, essentially. And, because uh, it's surely not for our benefit. And, you know, how that when this particular race of aliens had to flee planet Mars due to whatever cataclysmic changes were taking place on their planet, they launched some, I don't know, pod onto planet Earth, and that's essentially whatever amoebic life was in the pod when it hit the oceans. It's what essentially evolved into... And they showed the evolution process. Like, you know, the two-celled amoeba, into the fish, into the lizard, into the crocodile, and then into the, you know, whatever monkey Piltdown man on up. So, this was the lying devil propaganda that was propagated. But it's a, it's a great example, if you want a good visual of that whole thing in a nutshell, in about a, I don't know, three to five minute process, it'll, it'll, it'll give you that of species. Evolutionary scientists never believed for a minute that life simply started on its own. That evolution is not some random, slow system developing by chance, but is actually directed by off-world cedars 
Terraformers, creators of worlds. Even the discoverer of DNA, Francis Crick, promotes the idea that life was seeded on this planet in what he calls directed panspermia. It is part of the larger myth of transhumanism. Huxley, Darwin, Wedgwood, the Galtons, they all interbred in an attempt to create this transcendent Superman. The governing class of this globe believes that they are channeling advanced technological systems given to them by ancient alien species. And the science fiction of the last 150 years, whether it's Jules Verne or H.G. Wells or those that came before them, is obsessed with this, and they're on record part of secret societies who believe what they're promoting is actually reality, but knowing that the public is not ready to accept it, they cover it under the guise of fiction. And the film Prometheus is completely constructed around the secret religion of the Illuminati, who believe that they are transcendent and becoming the Superman. We can create cybernetic individuals. We are the gods now. Blurring the lines between fiction and reality, we see a futuristic presentation of the technology conference TED. The keynote speaker is the founder of the Wayland Corporation, Mr. Wayland. There he describes Prometheus stealing fire from the gods. From the Titan Prometheus, our first true piece of technology, fire. The transference of fire, or the first technology to man, is only the beginning of his transgressions. Prometheus is a Titan and the creator of mankind who attempts to elevate humans to the level of gods and is punished. The Illuminati believe they have stolen the fire of true genius from the gods. Biotech, nanotech, fusion. As man attempts to become godlike, we release potential forces that can and probably will destroy us. I want to say this in summation. We're not facing off-world genetic engineers that the elite believes created this planet, whether that's true or not. We're facing the global technocrats that are splicing every plant and animal and insect you can imagine together that are creating chimeras with hundreds of species within them, giving rise to super viruses and bacterial mutations. We are already seeing within three generations in rodents total sterilization and massive deformities in these animals. Now he's citing, and he's showing the studies all the while while he's saying this to prove what he's saying. So again, there's a lot you can glean here. A lot you can glean. And a lot of it's the Illuminati's own disgusting research. In this particular case, um, you know, when they fed rats soy, within three generations it produced total sterility. Now, if they can get all of the foodstuffs that are put out on the planet, GMO, guess what? Same thing's going to happen to us. Again, how are they going to accomplish their depopulation goals? Well, this is one of the main ways. They sterilize the whole population through the vaccinations, which also are, are, are sterilants, um, through the GMO crops, through the garbage that they're, they're spraying on us like cockroaches with the chemtrails, through the garbage that all the, like the fluoride and the chlorine and all the other myriad of chemicals that they're putting in the public water supplies. And then other ways which personal care products, the stuff that we put on our body, the stuff we spray on our body, these types of things. And there's many other ways as well.
And they create this sterilized race of people that cannot procreate because Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's, he's wanting to try to prevent. And again, first commandment of the, of the New World Order, Ten Commandments, the Georgia Guidestone states, reduce world population to 500 million, which is, you know, 90 to 95% reduction of current rates. So let's go further. And we have proven from the Rockefeller Foundation documents and other reports that this is part of a long-term program to wreck the general public's DNA. This is the global elite who have fantasized about off-world genetic engineers creating them actually in a 160-year-plus program developing the sciences and technologies to put this into place. Whatever you say about the Illuminati, they have got patience and they have had incredible vision. But I believe humanity needs to hear the truth and understand this is being carried out against us all. Because we have a choice to stand up now, but only a short window, and say no. I know the plot of the film. I know how it ends. But I'm going to leave that for you to discover. The point is, the film itself is only a revelation of the method, an externalization of the higher. Okay, um, I just went back and I realized there was a couple of teachings because a lot was said in that eight minute plus clip and I've covered a lot of different aspects of what he got into from a modern day biblical perspective. So you can reconcile these things from a biblical perspective, which is a big reason why this ministry exists. So we can reconcile end time current events with the Bible and then be able to go to others uh, that are unsaved and Christians and reconcile these things. I just don't see a lot of that being done in today's day and age. Before I get into those individual teachings and like their descriptions, I wanted to address what he was talking about with this uh, with Ezekiel. And um, I want to make sure that that is addressed. Okay, now I'm going to read you the Bible verses that relate to this butchering of scripture that he just said. He shows a picture of Ezekiel where the uh, cherubims are before him and the wheels that are described in God himself and the instructions that are given here. And then a picture of uh, their interpretation of what this cherubim actually looked like. He described it as these spacemen with, with a blue element. And I mean, I, I just I was, I was looking at something and and then he, he goes on to say they were given drugs. He was given a drug. Right here, let, let me just let me just play this again, so you can hear it for yourself. And then I'm going to address this, and in because he said it at the 2:36 mark around there, and I want to go back and read you these and see what an egregious, blasphemous thing he did. Not only butchering scripture, but lumping this in with the Prometheus. Uh, film and then lumping it in with all these other religions that supposedly it had a uh, obsession with communicating with these uh, with the gods of old. In from the sky, Ezekiel with spinning wheels of fire landing, creatures with blue space helmets approaching Ezekiel. Creatures, they were cherubims. I mean, four cherubims in particular. There may only be four cherubims, period. 
if that was the case, then Satan was the fifth cherubim. And he fell. Because the Bible says that he was a cherub. He was the anointed cherub that covered. He was probably the highest of all the cherubims. The cherubims are of the highest angelic order that there is in the Bible. Probably above an archangel. Now, again, I can't be dogmatic about that statement, but they're way up there. I mean, they're literally around the throne of God. Okay? He calls them creatures with space helmets. Giving him a drug to take, and then he has wild hallucinations. Uh, so, so God, essentially, gave him a drug to take, so he has wild hallucinations. What do hallucinations imply? Well, like, what, you, you, you're doing a, a, a hit of crystal meth? Or heroin? And you get hallucinations because you're seeing little green men? Because you're seeing into the demonic realm? Do you notice how unbelievably blasphemous and irreverent he is toward the word of God? One could say that... Okay, and that's all he says about that. But, you know, it was enough to really get me fired up when he said that. Now, I just want to read you, and I'm not going to read you all of Ezekiel 1 through 4, but I'm going to read you some verses so that we can build and that we can understand and look at these verses and see how blasphemous what he said was. Ezekiel 1.1, Now it came to pass in the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, and the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, this is Ezekiel writing, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. Okay, so the hand of the Lord was upon him, the word of the Lord came unto him, uh, the, the heavens were open and he saw visions of God. Okay, I don't see any mention here of him being given a hallucinogenic. Okay, I, I just don't see that. I mean, you know, I'm funny that way, but yeah, there's no mention. So, next verse. And I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance, and they had the likeness of a man. And every one of them had four faces, and every one had four wings. These are the cherubims. Okay. Uh, going to verse 10. As for the likeness of their faces, they had four. They had the face of a man, the face of a lion. On the right side, they, they had four... And they four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covering their bodies. Okay, so th these are cherubims. I mean, if you were to even see one of these things, you would probably drop dead, unless God protected you from just the actual glory, angelic, holy, overwhelmingly powerful glory that would emanate from these things. And, and, you know, Jones referred to uh, these creatures with space helmets, and then Ezekiel was given a hallucinogenic. I mean, wow. I mean, you talk about unbelievably, totally irreverent. Let's go further. Verse 26 of Ezekiel 1. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. Now, that's the only place I can see where he's thinking they were wearing blue space helmets. Sapphire, which is blue, a dark blue, okay? So it says, above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. I don't know how he equates that into blue space helmets, but again, when you allow some irreverent dude to interpret scripture for you, 
this is where what you get. You know, a totally unbiblical interpretation of it. Uh, and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man also above it. And I saw the color of amber as the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of the loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward, as I saw it were the appearance of fire, and it had a brightness right round about him. Uh, which is very indicative of, like, you go to Revelation and these things, when Jesus would actually appear. And, and, and you know, um, uh, similar. So, as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard the voice of one that spake. I mean, this man is having a absolute, total, personal, one-on-one encounter with the Lord God Almighty of the universe. This isn't some little irreverent event. This isn't something that's on equal footing as a Prometheus event, or some ancient astronaut lie, or some other culture's obsession with these false devil gods. I mean, this is just, it really, the irreverence is unbelievable on Jones's part. Going to the second chapter, Ezekiel 2.9, And when I looked, beheld, and hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll, a book was therein. Okay? A roll or a book was therein. And it spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations, and mourning, and woe. I mean, it just so happens, this is the book I've been in, for a little while now, I've been studying this book, and then when he said, Eze- I'm like thinking, oh my word, did he just say what I thought he said? You know? Um, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat thou that thou findest, eat this roll, and go and speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the roll. This is the hallucinogenic that Alex Jones is describing, our wonderful expository Bible teacher here. Wonderful job of hermeneutics and and, um, rightly dividing the word of truth here. A great, great, great job. So, this role of the book that was shown to him, God basically said to him, Eat thou that thou findest, eat this roll, go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. You would dare call this an hallucinogenic? As though what he was seeing was some wild hallucination? What was a hallucinogenic produced? Hallucinations. A hallucinogenic, like some illicit drug, is going to literally, to a certain extent, open up your third eye. Which is what many occultists seek to do. Where they literally see into the spirit realm. LSD is probably the greatest example of that. Hey man, I saw little green men when I took the LSD. Yeah, you probably literally were seeing little green men. You were seeing into the demonic realm. Which is not something that's good. Not something that you want to try to attain. LSD can put you there real quick. This is why God, or God, Satan, wants to get people hooked on these types of drugs. Because it allows devils to come into you, to possess you, also to bring a curse on your own self. And you're, and you're opening doorways that many times you cannot shut. You can't shut it apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, that's for sure. So, he has the audacity to compare this with, with an hallucinogenic? Now, he's already seen all these things prior to being given this role. So what did he do before that? Was that what, what, what was that? I mean, he wasn't seen... 
what he saw, in other words, the visions that he was seeing, had nothing to do with him being given this role to eat. It had to do with his what he was going to be called to do, going to Israel, warning them, and his assignment. He was assigned something that we will see which would have been impossible to do in the flesh. I think, from what I've seen, impossible to endure the, probably, persecution, impossible to physically do what he was called to do, unless he was supernaturally and divinely equipped, which he was. I mean, to whom much is given, much is required. Okay, Ezekiel was given a whole lot from a biblical standpoint. I mean, I don't know anybody else in the Bible that had quite this type of experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know anyone that had this, I mean, in the Bible. There's really no one that's had this level of personal, one-on-one experience to see all these things. So, in other words, because he was shown so much, though, the calling, the work that he was called to do was not going to be easy. He had to be supernatural. And I was just, it was funny, I was just thinking about this, reading this book the other day, going through Ezekiel, and then this comes up, and I'm thinking, man, Ezekiel went through all that stuff. Why? Why did God go and show him so much and give him an experience that I don't think anybody else in the whole Bible ever went through? And and, And then he gave him this role that he was to eat. He showed him all these things and that's just not, that's just one part of what was done. Well, obviously, why? is because he had to be equipped at a very high supernatural level in order to fulfill the task that God called him to do. I don't think it's because, well, Ezekiel was so much better than everyone, or I mean, and probably he was in regard to from being an upright moral man in the day and times he was living in. I mean, there's no doubt you're going to see Ezekiel in heaven, that type of thing. But, the reason is because his what he was called to do was such of a high order. He had to be supernaturally equipped at a very high level. But it wasn't some hallucinogenic that was given him. And he saw all these things, and it was totally not dependent upon this roll being eaten. Oh, man, I, I can't stand it when people attack the Word of God. Particularly ones that say, well, I'm a born-again Christian. Or I'm a Christian, is what he says. Jones. He's biblically illiterate. He's, I mean, totally proven that. I mean, by this alone. And by the company that he keeps, pretty much. A man is known by the company that he keeps. Look at the people that he promotes. And that's on the show. I mean, come on. Anyway, I'm sure that's not going to cause anyone to go astray that would be following Alex Jones. No, I'm sure. Remember, we're responsible. We're not to lay a stumbling block before our brothers. You know. I go out and somebody sees me injecting heroin in public. Uh, you think that might lay a stumbling block before my brother if I, if one of my listeners or whatever saw that happening? And I don't mean that means I think I'm walking around in sinless perfection or anything, but I mean, I'm going to be responsible to that for God. So, again, I, let's just go further here. Um, and then it goes on further after it says this. Uh, and he said unto me, Son of man, get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak my words unto them. Uh, let's go to uh, then to verse 22, Ezekiel 3. And the hand of the Lord was upon me. Okay, it says that a lot, that the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. He wasn't taking some hallucinogenic. The hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. 
Okay? And he said unto me, Arise and go forth in the plain, and I will talk with thee. And then I arose and I went forth in the plain. And behold, the glory of the Lord stood there as the glory which I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell on my face. And I mean, man, Ezekiel, man, he saw some stuff, man. Well, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, wow. What an absolute unbelievable privilege and honor to experience the things he experienced in the body. I mean, on planet Earth. Something that I don't know any other uh, Christian would ever has ever went through. I mean, obviously, every experience everyone has ever had with God is not in the Bible. But man, this is this is pretty high up there. You got to admit. So, um, anyway, the Spirit entered into me, and this is, I believe, the, you know, the Holy Spirit, and set me upon my feet, and spake with me, and said unto me, "Shut thyself in thine house." I don't think that unless the Lord's hand was heavy upon him. And that unless the Spirit entered into him, he would have been able to bear up under what he was witnessing. It would have killed the normal person. It would have just destroyed them. They would have just probably dropped dead in fear of the glory of God, of his holiness, of his righteousness, the fear of God. So it it had to be a supernatural thing. He was supernaturally equipped, obviously. Let's go to the next chapter, Ezekiel 4.1. Thou also, son of man, take thee a tile and lay it before thee, and portray upon it the city, even Jerusalem. Now, I'm saying all this so you can understand. This is just part of what he was called to do. And again, in, and again, from a physical standpoint, I don't see how anybody could have done this, but he wasn't just... He was mightily equipped, as we've already seen, that God had been preparing him and preparing him and preparing him and supernaturally equipping him to... And this is just the first thing that he was called to do. Okay, um, take a tile, lay it before thee, portray upon it even the, it the city, even Jerusalem, and lay siege against it, and build a fort against it, and cast a mound against it. And, I mean, it almost be like, it reminds me like when I was little, like playing army men and stuff, you know, you build your little fort, and you have your little army men, and stuff, it kind of reminds me of that. And uh, So, cast a mound against it, set a camp against it, and set battering rams against it round about. Moreover, take thou unto thee an iron pan, and set it for a wall of iron between thee and the city, and set thy face against it, and it shall be besieged, and thou shalt lay siege against it. This shall be a sign to the house of Israel. Remember, God says, he, he sometimes uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And this is kind of an example, not to say God's foolish, I'm just saying, this is an example. If you see some guy laying on the ground, he's building this little, little army man type city, he's laying siege against it, you know. But it's kind of an example of that. So, uh, Ezekiel 4.4. 4. Lie also... <laughs> Again, you wonder why he went through and was shown all this stuff. Well, okay, to whom much is given, much is required. Okay, this is, this is a pretty tall task. It's a pretty tall order. God's asking him to do here. He had to be supernaturally equipped to do this. Lie thou also upon thy left side. This is what God's telling Ezekiel to do. And lay iniquity, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of days thou shalt lie upon it, shall it thou shalt bear their iniquity. Okay, so he's asking Ezekiel, telling him, lie on your left side, according to the number of days that thou shalt lie upon it, meaning your left side, thou shalt bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity. Okay, this is how long they had been in sin in God's eyes. According to the number of the days, 390 days. There's a number, each day represented a year they had been in iniquity. He's supposed to lie on his 
left side in this thing, this siege, for 390 days. So shall thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. How would you like to lie on your left side, out in public, in this particular... And this isn't the only thing he was to do. I'm not going to keep reading, because, again, I didn't really mean to turn this into a total Bible study in Ezekiel. It's very interesting. But if you want to read more, just read, you know, keep reading after, you know, this stuff. And and you'll see what other things he was called upon to do. Um, And then he says, and uh, the Lord says, and when thou hast accomplished them, lie again on thy right side. So after the 390 days, (laughs) I mean, this is over a year. Lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah for 40 days. So he had to do another 40 days on his right side. So a total of 430 days? Wow. And he says, I've appointed thee each day for a year. Which is where that's confirmed. Uh, Again, last verse, Therefore thou shalt set thy face toward the siege of Jerusalem, and thine arm shall be uncovered, and thou shalt prophesy against it. So, again, hopefully I've made that abundantly clear and cleared up any, uh, I don't know, thing that you might have of, of felt regarding that. Because I, I know when Alex Jones just spout things off like that, and then people start to doubt their faith and doubt the word of God, because that's all that would happen. If somebody just is watching that, oh, yeah, he just totally discredited the whole account of Ezekiel and basically said he was, he was on drugs. <laughs> I mean... How incredibly blasphemous and irreverent. Uh, again, I just don't, I see a real lack of fear of God in most people. Okay, now, let's go further here. Now, what I did, I paused it after we played the Prometheus video, because I, I realized that I left a couple of my teachings out that pertain to the Prometheus lie. And since I've already done dedicated teachings on a lot of these different subjects, there's no need to reinvent the wheel, do another teaching, unless there's a whole bunch of new information introduced. So what I'm doing is I'm giving you the title of my teaching I've already done, and I'm giving you a um, the description of the teaching, so that if you want to come back and, and go to the PDF, or if you want to click in part of the name of the study in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, you can do that, and then you can listen to it. First one is transhumanism, vaccinations, DNA, and corrupting the seed of mankind, which obviously they talked a lot about near the end of the video that Alex Jones was describing. Transhumanism advocate Natasha Vita Moore, who's got all these degrees, states, a transhuman is a human in transition. We are transhuman to the extent that we seek to become post-human and take action to prepare for a post-human future. Post-human. Well, okay, if you're post-human, post means after. That means you're not fully human anymore. You're beyond a human. Okay? She goes on to state whether it is the shingles of the flu, the proactive development of molecular agents, such as nanorobots. Nanorobots, those are the little tiny robots they can literally put in vaccinations, and they can literally get injected into you, don't even know they're there, and they can go and literally do tasks of whatever their New World Order handlers assign them of. They can be controlled remotely. They're injectable nanorobots. They've had this technology for a long time. I've reported on it for a long time. They've admitted to it. DARPA has totally developed this technology. It was probably available well before they developed it. So, the nanorobots, these are the proactive molecular agents because we need to battle things like shingles and flu. And 
these things will be used, like these nanorobots, to combat these and other protagonist viruses. And it's the right thing to do. Well, according to Satan? Well, evidently. And then uh, this devil uh, goes on to say, building a strong defense. What, like defensive immune system? What a lie from the pit of hell. Building a strong defense through nanomedicine to combat viruses is a worthy undertaking. Again, according to Satan, it's a worthy undertaking. Notice how she seems to be keen on the whole concept of vaccinations. Because there's a vaccination for shingles. You know, and there's a vaccination for a lot of different things now. They're going to have vaccinations for everything. Well, okay, uh, and again, that shingles vaccine, what I just reported on, uh, I think last week, that's also cultured off aborted, uh, aborted fetal cell lines, aborted babies. Just so you know, I'm not making this stuff up, it is. Uh, zoster vax or whatever. Uh, because the shingles virus is actually herpes zoster. And that's why they call it that. Anyway, so... Uh, it's kind of funny, she seems to be keen, the whole transhumanism movement, integrally in with nanomedicine, which literally is inter, um, interrelated with the injectable nanorobots, which is uh, a vaccination issue. Okay, So I kind of find that funny that they're really keen on the vaccinations. Uh, Sharon Gilbert states, transhumanism, also known as the H-plus movement, Envisions a higher life form, surpassing Homo sapiens in favor of a Homo sapien 2.0. Like, you know, like when Microsoft comes out with, you know, or, or some software program comes out with version 1 and then they come out with version 2.0. Well, that's what we're going we're to see. This is this genetic upgrade that they re- mention in Prometheus. So, uh, Again, the H-plus movement envisions a higher uh, life form surpassing Homo sapiens in favor of Homo sapiens 2.0, a bioengineered construct that fuses man's original genome with animal or synthetic DNA. Always comes back to the DNA. They're always trying to corrupt the DNA. Huh, just like they did Noah's day? Yeah, Yeah, we'll get get into that very soon. For decades, laboratories have created chimeric combinations of animal plant, and even human DNA under the guise of medical research. The stated goal is to better man's lot by curing disease, but this, and again, they're doing everything in the world to promote disease, perpetuate disease, to kill us, to defile our DNA. But yes, no, no, actually none of that's true. They actually are doing this for our own benevolent benefit and, and to cure things. What a lie. We're just surrounded by lies every day. The stated goal is to better man's lot by curing disease, but this benign mask hides an inner sardonic grin that follows an ancient blueprint to blend God's human creation with the seed of fallen angels. Oh, kind of like Genesis 6, as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus Christ said that. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives, all that they chose. They procreated with these fallen angels and bore them giants or Nephilim or the fallen ones, according to Genesis 6. Yeah, same thing. And, again, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. That's what these shows Prometheus are all about. You acclimated to that. That whole concept. And, hey, that's how we're going to attain godhood anyway, right? I mean, this this DNA, this genetic upgrade, this Homo sapiens 2.0. This transhumanism, post-humanism movement, this ascending from, uh, moving from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius into the New World Order, 
the coming glorious age. There'd be nothing glorious about it. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, so it's the exact same thing the Bible, Jesus Christ said, essentially. And the whole concept of you shall be as gods in the Garden of Eden that the serpent told Eve. It's a whole exact lie that was perpetuated in the Garden of Eden that caused Eve to sin. I warn of the day when true humans may unknowingly receive transhuman instructions via an implant or injection. (laughs) Yeah, an implant like the mark of the beast or an injection. A seemingly innocuous vaccine or identification chip can initiate intracellular changes, not only in somatic or body cells, but also the germline cells, such as the ova and sperm. What if they direct these injectable nanorobots or the vaccine has a direct effect on the ova and sperm, the eggs in the woman's ovaries, or the sperm in the man? Hmm. The alter, the former alters the recipient only, but the latter alters the recipient's doomed descendants as well. In other words, a way to make us... um, Sterile, infertile. So that's the actual description of that teaching. Again, this is just the the, the cliff note version. I I get way further into all those things in the teaching. Next one that's related to this, cloning, DNA manipulation, and corrupting the seed. This is a separate teaching I did. The interpretation of Genesis 6-4 that the Nephilim are half human, half fallen angel makes this uh, very simple to understand. God made a way for man to be saved from his sin through the grace by faith in his son, but he did not make a way for angels that rebelled to be saved. Therefore, a mixture of the two kinds would be a corruption and the result, a fallen race. And again, this is why God had to wipe the whole world out in Genesis 6. And I'm not saying every single person's DNA had been corrupted. But the Bible does say that the thoughts of man were only evil continually. So even though maybe every single person's DNA hadn't been corrupted, I don't know, I'm not there. He still had to wipe the whole world out. Why? Because every man's thoughts were only evil continually. Even though maybe their DNA, let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt, their DNA, all the DNA hadn't been corrupted. But the evil had so permeated society, people were so far gone, they had so far crossed the line with God, that none of them were going to be saved. So he had to wipe out the whole world, save eight people on the ark. That's how bad it got. And that's not my opinion. That's what the Bible says. So, what does that mean? Well, it says, it is interesting that Genesis tells us that all flesh was corrupt in the days of Noah. What does that mean? We know that God destroyed all the animals as well as all people. They had corrupted the animals. Well, what example of doing that today? Well, look what we just talked about. All the stuff where they're admitting to, you know, genetically manipulating the salmon and the fish and the and the birds and the corn and the and the plants and, and all of God's creation, the cows and the pigs. Same exact deal. Satan's always trying to corrupt God's creation. I mean, had the animals not been corrupted, okay, God could have just maybe killed all of the Nephilim and the humans that were on planet Earth, but that wasn't the case. He had to kill all the animals, too. They had been corrupted as well. That's why Noah had to take all the animals on the ark. Animals that hadn't been corrupted. So that they could repopulate the planet with a pure seed line. Okay? So that's the... I mean, God wasn't just doing that to, like, be cruel. He was doing it because he had no choice. So going further, uh, 
We all know that God destroyed all the animals as well as all the people, except those brought on the ark with Noah and his family. We will explore this topic further in this study. Now, what is man doing in creating these hybrids, whether they are animal, human, or plant animal? Man is mixing kinds together and creating a corrupt and defiled race. Of course, you know, man, man slash Satan slash is, you know, Anyway, it does not matter what the percentage of human versus cow DNA there is. In other words, if there's like cows with human DNA, and they've done this, pigs with human DNA, okay, it doesn't matter what percentage of human versus cow DNA there is. Do cows go to heaven? That's the question you have to ask, okay? So frankly, man is messing with things he has no right to manipulate. He is, in effect, trying to play God, which goes right back to the original sin in the garden. So the point of this is, think about this, if you're 10% cow, okay, my middle name's Bessie now, you know, Margaret, Bessie, whatever. 10% cow. The, the, the point is, is what percentage of human cow versus cow DNA there is, do cows go to ever, ever go to heaven? In other words, once the seed line has been corrupted, how does that chimeric, that combo life form go to heaven? How do they get saved? Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross to pay the price for cows to go to heaven. Well, what if it's 5%? You know, listen, it's not something you want to mess with. This is why the vaccinations are so dangerous. Because I don't even have a full comprehension of what they're doing to a person's DNA. But I sure know they're one of the greatest ways they're trying to manipulate our DNA. I mean, when they inject foreign DNA right into your bloodstream, and possibly injectable microchips, injectable nanorobots, all of that other garbage, and then they're to boot their their culture and off an aborted baby, how do you think that might be affecting you spiritually? You think you might be bringing a curse on yourself at bare minimum, not to mention all the other horrific health consequences? And if you're bringing a curse on you, do you think that might affect your ability, if you're unsaved, to be saved? Or if you are saved, your ability to maybe do things for Christ? It sure can't be helping. So I'm just trying to point out the obvious here. So just some, some things to think about. Anyway, I get into this subject in depth in this teaching. Now let's go to the next teaching that relates. Because this Prometheus thing hit on so many things I've covered. But again, I've already covered it. So I'm just going to get hit the high points for you. And then you can, if you so want to, you can click on these studies and, and, and all this stuff's for free. I mean, I, I put it up there, put up the PDFs, I put up the, the audios. It's, it's all free. I don't want to charge. You know, it, it's I, I freely if I receive, freely I give. And, and not because I think that makes me better. I'm just saying I just want to get it out there so people aren't deceived. So let's go further. And the next one is called The Ancient Astronaut Lie, The Shocking Origin of the Intelligent Design Theory. Well, intelligent design's Christian. No, it's not. And we're going to prove that. And I prove that in these next two teachings. Now, this study here is a special study I felt convicted to do after viewing a 27-minute internet video put out by the Raelian cult. And again, the video does one of the most thorough jobs of condensing most of the coming New Age, New World Order lies that I've ever witnessed. Most of these lies seem so appealing to the unsaved. For the same reason, Eve was seduced by the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Why? Because they promised, ye shall be as gods. If anyone buys into all this, then 
all the accountability to the whole to a holy God goes out the window, and they feel they can live any way they want. Why? Because they're a God. I'm not accountable to anybody if I'm a God. That's why it's so appealing. That was a big reason it was appealing to Eve. It's a big reason why the New Age is so appealing. So, Satan is still the most subtle beast of the field, like Genesis 3 says, and he has not changed his tactics, as you will see when you listen to this audio. In this teaching, I will be playing the sound from the video and stopping to comment along the way so I can ultimately present a full rebuttal to um, this most egregious heresy. The ancient astronaut theory is going to be is going to unfortunately take many people to hell and is going to be one of the cornerstones of the grand deception the Antichrist will perpetuate. Again, like I had already described exactly what the ancient astronaut theory where these our, our space brethren came millions and billions of years ago, seeded the planet with humanity, they created us, we're their little science project, and real soon they're coming back because we've messed things up so bad that they've got to, you know, police their little science project. And that's a in a kind of in a nutshell, but then the next article, the intelligent design lie. Okay. In this study, we'll see how intelligent design is not biblical, but actually has its original roots in, in 19th century deism in the new age movement. And currently in the pseudoscience and mathematics, which disbelieves biblical creationism. Yet most Christians believe that the intelligent design is biblical. In the 1990s, the new age authors began to teach a uh, uh, theory known as interventionist creation in the 1990s, in which aliens came to Earth millions of years ago and created Earth as we see it now, including all humans, and then they left. This heresy has now evolved into the modern-day New Age theory that supposes that super-intelligent aliens intervene in the world history at just the right time to create the world as we know it. Today, this theory has a new name with pseudoscience and mathematics to make the concept believable, the term for the new theory is intelligent design. So in other words, in its purest form, this theory teaches that millions of years ago, mankind was created by aliens claiming to be gods uh, of our creation, a.k.a. the ancient astronaut theory. But see, people that believe in intelligent design just think, oh no, it's it's when um, they believe that God created the universe a long time ago. No, 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 no. If you really, really research what intelligent design really believes... It's not God. It's these ancient it's these ancient aliens that created it. But see, because they were the creators, they want to jump. They want to um, they want to say, well, it's it's way better than evolution, which believes we just evolved from you know the Big Bang happened and then the primordial sludge rain on the rocks and then maybe lightning hit at some some point and formed a, a two cell amoeba, uh, life out of nothing, and then you know that evolved into everything else. Okay, so, oh, this is better. No, it's not. This is that the aliens came, the gods of old, created the planet and us, and we evolved into what we are now. But it's not the god of the Bible. Okay? So, that's what intelligent design believes if you trace it back at its core root. It's not Christian. Not Christian. Bad, bad stuff. Again, if you doubt that, click on this teaching, or, and, or if you're not, if you want to get educated on it, you know, click on the teaching, and, and it'll it'll give you the uh, facts on that. So let's go further. Next teaching I did that relates to this subject: um, the UFO phenomenon, the next great challenge for the church. Um, the interest in the search for extraterrestrial life is huge, mainly fueled by the enormous popularity of science fiction. Now, at the time, District 9 being the latest example, remember that 
whatever show. I mean, I never watched this stuff, but it, it was it was really macabre, insectoid-like creatures come here and, you know, seeking whatever shelter. And Anyway, District 9 being the latest example, it's depiction of advanced alien life on other planets. Exopolitics is the growing movement that believes humans should publicly, openly dialogue with extraterrestrials. There's a whole political, kind of a, well, it's exopolitics, it is a kind of a political movement which believes that we should openly dialogue with the extraterrestrials. Gavin uh, C. wrote to Gary Bates, quote, Just been watching the European Exopolitics uh, 2009 in Spain online, meaning their, their seminar. Dr. Stephen Greer, the, the, one of the main devils of this movement, of the Disclosure Project, is channeling aliens and encouraging everyone else to do so as well. The worrying thing is, is that they're answering. And he and he briefs the president on such issues. Now these are the guys that are pushing for disclosure. When you hear that term, it means that they want the government to come clean and admit that they've been working with these supposedly alien entities for a lot of years, but they knew we couldn't handle it, and that they've got all this suppressed technology they've been holding back. You know, free energy... Uh, you name it. The cures to every disease. You name it. Just like um, V. That show V, where they come and they say, you know. And again, that's going to be part of the of the satanic carrot. You better believe it. When they make their big debut. Well, anyway, he's channeling these aliens, and guess what? They're answering. Well, they always answer. It's like when you, if you go to a psychic. If you go to a... I'm not saying you're always going to get good information. And if you make that pact, even if you get accurate information, you're making, you're, you have no idea what's happening to you on a spiritual level. You, know, you can go to a Ouija board and mess with a Ouija board, and that's one of the best ways if you want to like get your house really haunted really quick and get good and demon-possessed. I watched enough of those ghost shows in the past to figure that out real quick. I mean, most occultists would never mess with a Ouija board. They know better. And these are people that are witches or warlocks or whatever you want to call them. So, sure, Satan will meet you at your need. I mean, you open the door, he's going to come in. So anyway, um, but they're posing as these benevolent aliens. So it goes on to say, there seems to be a paradigm shift happening right now in our culture. It's taking the church by surprise. The church isn't even... Taking the church by surprise. The church isn't even interested as far as I can see. They're not even reacting. They, 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 they're, oh no, this would be unpopular. We don't want to get into these issues. This this might offend people. We might lose congregants over. I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to warn my flock about this great deception. I mean, surely Hollywood hasn't made all these movies and wrote all these books and put Billions and billions and billions of dollars into this deception and all these abduction scenarios that take place. And the 3 to 4% of the population that says they've actually been abducted and all the messages they're bringing back. Surely there's no, uh, there's no satanic agenda afoot with any of that. Nothing will come to pass from all of this. It'll all just fade away someday. This is how they treat it. It's like the, the most gigantic elephant in the room and they refuse to acknowledge it's even there. I, I'm going to acknowledge it all day long. I can biblically reconcile all this stuff easily. 
And it's a big part of this ministry. Biblically reconciling this whole supposed alien agenda with what the Bible clearly states. It's easy to do. And the the longer I do it, the easier it gets. And the more in your face and obvious what's going on here. This is not something that should tear down your faith. It should build your faith. That's why I'm here. I want to see your faith built up. And we can reconcile this garbage with the Bible. It's not hard. And again, if we increase your faith, and then you can go out and educate other people as well. And when this stuff starts to go down, huh, there's going to be very few true born-again Bible-believing Christians that really have a clue what's going on. I'm sure that the masses will pour out of Smiley Joel Osteen's church, and they'll be all over this like a cheap suit. You know? Like white on rice, man. They're going to be all over this. They're going to all, they're all going to know what's going on. The 501c3 corporate church, for the most part, they're going to be all over this. They're going to be beacons of light in this darkness when it comes. No, I'm sorry. I don't think they're going to have a clue. And this is just one of the deceptions out there. Not the, I'm not saying that it's the only one. It's one of the main ones, though. And it's one of the main, main, main ones that the church, for the most part, has refused to even acknowledge that it exists. It's They treat it as though it's non-existent. And they're going to pay a heavy... The people in those churches are going to pay a heavy, heavy price for, you know, for that, for that silence. And it's part of the strong delusion that God said he's going to send, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure to unrighteousness. It's part of that deception, and a big part, I believe. Uh, so let's go further here. Uh, so, it certainly strikes me that if Christians aren't really founded firm in the word of God with a creation worldview, then that they will be actually hoodwinked by these supposed ETs that are... Uh, that these entities are here uh, claiming to help us out to the next rung of our evolutionary development. <laughs> Even claiming to be our creators. Will this be the great falling away? Well, the great falling away is already occurring. Okay? And again, you read Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Before, well, before this falling away, you know, that wicked, meaning the W, capital W, I believe in first three or four, is the Antichrist. The wicked will be revealed and the falling away. The falling away actually occurs before that. Falling away is already happening. And then the wicked will be revealed. Okay, so we're right, most likely, right on the cusp of that. There's not a whole lot more that has to happen biblically for any of that to come to pass. I mean, everything from a biblical standpoint is pretty much in place right now. So we could be right on the cusp. And again, when this stuff starts to really go down in earnest, I would almost guarantee you ministries like mine are going to be shut down either prior to that happening... Now, apart from God's intervention, I'm not saying God can't keep it up there, but prior to that happening, or in very close proximity to that happening, I would imagine that if they've done their homework, they're going to know what ministries out there are are, are putting out truth, and they're not going to want that propagated. That's why I'm saying that you might want to consider um, downloading these teachings that can be done, or you can, uh, my listener in Australia, he offers... Uh, Paul, God bless him, he offers my teachings, and I think he updates this all the time, the the, uh, USB um, flash drive, where you can get all the teachings on one uh, USB flash drive. And you can have them all there in like one little spot. And what you might want to do with something like that is, and 
you might want to EMP proof that, electromagnetic pulse, proof it. Meaning you might want to keep it in like a steel trash can sealed, which is probably the easiest way to do it. Keep your electronics that you believe are, are you know, that you would want to live in a survival situation. You want to keep them in an EMP proof container if you can. Uh, steel trash can with a sealed lid is one of the easiest ways to do it. You can wrap it in copper tape. I've wrapped my uh, hard drive, my external hard drive, in copper tape. Double wrapped it. Copper tape is a way to uh, protect against an EMP attack. EMP, I believe if you key EMP into the search box at ContendingForTruth.com, we'll get into that. Uh, And I've never done any dedicated teachings on it, but you can also go EMP, uh, Electromagnetic Pulse, I like go up to YouTube and key in different keyword searches uh, to find out more about that because that's a very real risk. And I mean, if, if you didn't have that EMP proof, I believe it would just wipe the uh, your uh, potentially your hard drive clean. So anyway, going further, the the last part of this says uh, behind the scenes, high ranking Air Force officers are soberly concerned about UFOs. But through official secrecy and ridicule, many citizens are led to believe the unknown flying objects are nonsense. And that was by Admiral Roscoe Henry Halencotter, the first director of the CIA. So I'm going to go ahead. I've run out of time. In fact, I'm way over time. I'm sorry. I'm part two. And we're going to go to part three next. And we will be able to get through this in part three.